Hello, all, and welcome to the Broke Girls Dream 2 podcast, a show dedicated to helping all the broke girls out there. Here's your host, podcast producer, and resident broke girl, Amanda Joy. So I'm going to okay. do an intro. Hello, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to um, Broke Girls Dream 2. This is um, now just our thing. We're interviewing people. We're talking to women <laughs> who are entrepreneurs or in business or creatives and really just trying to pick their mind, get some best practices and, and, and also like lift them up and amplify them in this moment. So I am so excited that I get to talk to Ariel Felton. She is published, y'all. She, she like, <laughs> she... <laughs> I'm just going to add that to my bio. I am published, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's just check my credentials, right? That's like, I'm published. Yeah, check them. It's a, it's a t-shirt, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> I mean, I've watched you, you know, like a lot of my, the people and the guests that I've had on, I've watched them for like years. And I've been inter interacted with you and watched you and just watch you grow um, in your craft. And I was like, I'm fangirling her because I, oh. you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just was like, all right, so if I ever get bored, which I'm now bored, I'm hosting the <laughs> podcast. I, I started this podcast like two years ago and I stopped it. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and we had a lot of momentum two years ago, but I was like, mm, life. Okay. But anyway, so I just was like putting my wish list together of people I want to talk to. So let's talk let's talk about okay. you like like where did you start like did you write in college is that what was that your major or <laughs> yeah absolutely so I I pretty much knew I wanted to do something with words uh since I was a kid I was one of those really nerdy people who just I just love books and stories um so and also I'm really bad at math and science <laughs> So it was kind of obvious where I needed to, to turn to. Um, so yeah, I got my bachelor's degree in English um, with a journalism emphasis specifically. So I was on the student newspaper at um, Valdosta State University for a while. Um, and then I moved to Savannah where I am now to go to grad school and I got my MFA in writing um, at SCAD. So writing was always the thing, right? I always knew I was going to do something with words. I think maybe it took me a minute to like focus that um and now I'm, I'm glad that i have a lot of different types of writing underneath um or in, under my belt i guess i should say um because it helps with the with the freelance hustle if you're able to do a couple <laughs> of things you know <laughs> well but what are like the freelance hustles real uh but like what are like different versions of of like what is a couple of different things because yeah. i think people just think oh she just writes that's what she does <laughs> yeah yeah no you're absolutely you're absolutely right um <laughs> So I, let's see, so there's journalism, uh, that is student newspaper that's, you know, the New York Times, Washington Post, that is interviews, um, that also includes like travel writing, which is really um, popular, I think right now, especially as COVID is, you know, fingers crossed in a downswing right now, people are traveling a lot more, um, living in Savannah is really great for travel writing, it's a tourist town, people come here all the time. Um, there's also speech writing. I did that for a while um, after grad school. I was a speech writer at SCAD. Um, so I did a lot of, you know, if a, if a student was getting honored at an event, a student or alumni, I would work with them to get their speech together and be at rehearsals and be like, come on, girl, you can do it. Don't be nervous. <laughs> um, 
let's see, good copywriting. I did that mm -hmm. for a while. Um, also at SCAD. So that's a lot of poster, email, copy, newsletters. Um, if you're a SCAD student and between the years of like 2015 and 2018, you got an email about a hurricane. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I was like, get out, y'all. <laughs> and then, and then there's personal writing, which I also really, really adore. That's like memoirs type stuff, essays, um, things I write about people I know or just experience that I've had in my life. Um, I guess, yeah, that would cover a lot of a lot of it. There's, uh, I mean, there's also ghost writing and editing. I've done a little bit of. Um, I just think it's really good to to dabble, you know, to know yeah. a little bit of everything. Right. And then there's like people who write fiction. Yes. And, there's also, and... Yes. I totally skipped over that. Um, I, <laughs> I've written like one fiction thing in my life that got published. And it's not that I don't like it. It's just fiction is really hard. Like mm -hmm. I am, I just have this sort of brain that gets inspired by things that I've seen in my life. And then I want to like know all the facts. I'm like a really nosy person, <laughs> which I feel like helps in journalism, right? I just get to ask people questions about this amazing stuff that they do. And fiction writing just seems like if you're making it all up, how do you choose? Like, I don't think I really like bow down to fiction writers because I feel like I would be stuck um, on sentence one for years, just being like, all right, I have a character. What is she doing today? She can do anything. I'm making it all up. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I think that, that the idea that like the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. and, and there's just like this limitless thing <laughs> that you can create and I would be like oh my god she's on a horseback riding a unicorn <laughs> going to work I don't know what's happening right. like, <laughs> maybe it starts to rain and she's like grow my hair maybe it's a romance like I don't know <laughs> we're just gonna go on this ride and it's gonna be a horrible <laughs> book and you're gonna enjoy it <laughs> I love reading fiction love it I just don't think I have those skills <laughs> It, you you really like you've got to be there but I think there's like there's just a talent in all of that right and I don't think people yeah. really like recognize what you just described which is like there's so many different ways to write and there's so many different ways to enter this field so I would love to like think about like ask the question of like how did you like what was your first gig <laughs> <laughs> um so first gig I'll start with I guess after I finished grad school um I started out in copywriting um, I was doing a lot of like puns and headlines, like that sort of thing um, for, again, like posters, newsletters that were going out to students, faculty and staff. Um, and yeah, that was like, that was my first like big girl job, like nine to five. Here we go. I'm getting like a little salary. Like <laughs> I've got a job for real. <laughs> um, and that was really fun. I feel like I learned a lot about uh, really tight copy. Um, I'm someone who, when given too much space, when given too, uh, too big of a word count, I can just wax poetic for forever, you know, but if it's an ad, you know, you have a picture and you have a headline and you have three sentences to like make people come to your museum. So I learned a lot about um, diction, choosing the right words and making those words really impactful, even in a, in a short space. I mean, with that said, like, do you think I sound like an old person, but I'm like, the kids, the kids attention span. <laughs> it's true. Though. <laughs> oh, thank you for validating me. Thank you. Of course. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah, because I think like when you say tight copy, like that is because like you have to get a short, like a lot of information out in a short way. 
and people have to like be able to scan it. And I know like when I'm talking, we've I've been talking to writers, a few writers on the show, and then um, just in life, they're always like, now we have to write for the scroll. Yeah. That is very true, especially if what you're writing is going to be on the internet. People are mm -hmm. not pausing to read stuff that's, you know, really long. You really have, um, or even if you do want to write that long, you really have only a couple of seconds to capture someone's attention. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those things, well, first, in copywriting, especially like for ads, people are flipping through a magazine. They're not, they're really not paying attention. And the picture is what's actually going to capture their attention. So I need like, a cute headline that's like funny or inspiring or something like, you know, three ways to like, yeah. <laughs> that's really like, bam, here it is. This is why mm -hmm. you it. Um, and even thinking about journalism, I think that's why we see so many headlines now that are like, this is the story, right? Like local woman um, thought she lost her dog, then found him in a tree. <laughs> Like that's the whole. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, the whole story. The whole story. <laughs> it's the whole thing, right? But you have that like emotion in it um, that gets people like, oh wait, what happened? Right. Like an emotional thing like that, or some political thing that you know is going to grab someone's attention. Yeah, um, the, the clickbait headlines. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like Trump said this, and then someone said, "Heck no!" It's like, Ooh. <laughs> oh no, they didn't. And it's literally that's the article. Thank you, for, thank you for clicking. Look at the ads. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so you've done like the intro gig, and I think like what um, as we talk, we're gonna get to the big to the big moments. I think in that moment, as you were like trying to figure it all out, how did you how did you get out there, right? Like how did you how do you put your pieces out there in order to get noticed um, <laughs> with all this stuff? <laughs> That's a really good question. I. Um, I always say this, and I think this is really, really important. I really worked the connections that I had. Mm -hmm. uh, being uh, in grad school, all of my professors were writing something as well as teaching. So they knew people, whether it was a teacher, a professor that I had that was coming out with a book. And so he would be like, you know, if you want to intern for me, maybe I could introduce you to the publishers or my editors or having a journalism teacher who is also writing for Savannah Magazine. Um, that's really how I got started, was using those connections as much as possible. Um, I think the first, like, not my nine to five thing that I did when I was like, I'm about to be a freelancer too. I'm going to like <laughs> ride that line um, was for Savannah magazine. And it was, I had a professor who knew I just graduated. She wrote for the magazine often. And she was like, I know they're looking for freelancers and she gave them my name. And so in the beginning, I wrote a lot of things that like aren't the most interesting to me personally, but I think it's really important for folks who are just starting out to build up those clips, to build up those bylines and to get your name out there. Like you want editors to be talking about you and saying she, um, she turns in work on time, it's clean copy, you know, she doesn't disappear in the middle of an assignment. I know this sounds like really basic stuff, <laughs> but you would be surprised how many people just like miss a deadline and then like don't email an editor back. So things that are like really simple, just being responsible will help get your name out there until you feel more confident to start pitching stuff that, um, that you're passionate about, right? Like I'm not saying anything bad about weddings at all, uh, but I wrote, I reviewed 
wedding. So it wasn't even like I went to a wedding. It was like I would meet the bride and or now husband and wife afterwards. And I'd be like, how was it? And then, you know, she'd tell me all about the flowers and he'd tell me all about the cake and I would write that up and it was, you know, it was short and it was simple and it was sweet. Uh, it took a while for me to start pitching longer pieces that I was like, you know, I've really got to get in there and think of important interview questions and about heavier topics, you know, meteor, something you could chew on. I love that. But I like, I think the only thing I got out of that was like, you have to network. <laughs> really network. <laughs> you have to really network. Writing feels like such a solo thing. And it is in the moment, right? When you're literally just trying to translate your thoughts on a page. Uh, but that's one, it's just unhealthy. You can't write for yourself. <laughs> you need people to read it to give you feedback. Um, and two, the networking will get you jobs. It will absolutely get you jobs. Um, so, you know, if you're a student right now, like don't lose touch with, uh, with your other classmates. You know, you're all students now, but in a year or two, the person also in your classroom might be the editor of a magazine that you really love. Um, or you might be able to reach back out to a professor and say, you know, do you know anybody look hiring? Do you know anyone looking for freelancers? Um, people, your network is just, it's really important. I love that. I love that. And I'm sure you can like, find networks to join or associations or whatever those absolutely. things are. Absolutely. I know, at least in Savannah, um, because we're such a like creative space, a creative town, um, I've been in so many writing groups. <laughs> like, um, I also work for Deep Center, which is a nonprofit that is focused on creative writing and arts. So a lot of those staff members and volunteers are writers as well. And so we would have like summer writing groups together where we would just be sharing and giving each other feedback. That's always really helpful. Um, I've done the same thing at the Flannery O'Connor House downtown. Um, they have a Peacock Guild, completely open to everyone, open to the public. You got a poem, a few pages of a short story that you're just like, you know, it's been on my computer for years and now I'm ready for some feedback. Uh, that community of feedback and networking, um, very important. Um, oh, and also, cool. if you're ready to pitch stuff, editors are on Twitter saying exactly what they want. Like, I think in school, I thought that like editors like hid in a cave and that you could like, <laughs> you could never find their email addresses and stuff. And so you would just be out here trying and like, you know, pitching to the wind, but they're, if you follow the publications that you love, um, folks are out there. Like I see tweets all the time. They're like, I am looking for a black woman's opinion on X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, me, <laughs> me. <laughs> I will send you something immediately. <laughs> I was, it was um, NBC Universal, like hit me up on Twitter to ask me a question. And I was just like, yeah, I can't answer that question, but I thank you for <laughs> Thank you for thinking of me anyway. Yeah, yeah. I cannot go on record with that comment. But <laughs> <laughs> like the truth or <laughs> Yeah, it was very, yeah. But it was but I'm so glad you talked about Twitter because like that a lot of journalists live on Twitter and a, and a lot of like papers and editorials and I don't think people really understand the benefit of Twitter in that sense because it does get it gets it gets crappy, just like all social yeah. media. But you can network with strangers in a way that's like so yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Twitter can be, you know, so silly and dumb, but it can also be extremely helpful. And if you're not a Twitter person, there are a lot of um, resources that kind of gather editor pitch calls and will send them straight to your news uh, or to your inbox. Um, I'm a really big fan of Study Hall. 
Um, it, I believe they have a student discount. Um, and there's a couple of different newsletters that you can sign up for. Some of it is literally just like publishing gossip. Like this editor at the New York Times said this, <laughs> like somebody piece. <laughs> if you're messy, you can follow that one too. But there's one, literally just once a week, a full list of jobs, um, editors asking for specific pitches from freelancers, um, contract gigs, and it's all laid out there. So you don't have to scroll through Twitter if you, if you hate it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But I mean, you know, there's resources, there's ways to get, to get yeah. out there. So yeah. let's talk, let's, let's talk about the resume. Because <laughs> I went on your, I was like, oh, she has a, one of them fancy little bio website things where she's like, this is me. Hello. <laughs> it is all Squarespace. <laughs> they made it so cute for me. I didn't do anything else. <laughs> it's there right like I don't people will ask me for my bio and I'm like oh let me cut and paste something like <laughs> I'm like now in that place where I have to go do professional headshots mm -hmm. <sighs> I hate it I <laughs> to promote yourself it is really like oh yeah I do stuff I guess <laughs> it's, I'm hard I just like just meet me I'm cool you'll love it um <laughs> I I promise it's an experience. Yelp me. <laughs> but I also think so like, let's, let's talk about those big moments. And like, if you could name like your three major, I think it's three major publications that you got in and like, what was that type of work? And like, just the, just the process and the feelings yeah, and all the good things. Um, so I would say the first one that comes to mind is the first one that I pitched all like, on my own, I was like, I have an idea. I think it would make a really good long article. And I think I know who to send it to and I'm gonna pitch it. Um, and I pitched it to an editor who hadn't met me at all. So it felt, I don't know, it just felt really like, oh man, I'm doing it. I'm like, I pitched it, I got accepted and now I'm gonna write it. Um, it was a piece for the Bitter Southerner in 2017, I think. Um, and it was a profile on local activist Coco Pappy, who I now work with, so that's <laughs> that's odd. Um, it's all about Southern women um, sort of entering the political sphere and um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, redefining what it means to be a Southern woman, right? Like kind of getting rid of these stereotypes of like, oh, I'm just like, baking cornbread for my husband and like no I got shit to say <laughs> here I am you know um, so that was it was my first time like going back and forth with an editor in a real way on a substantial piece a lot of the shorter pieces if an editor wanted to change they would just change it and then I would see it in a magazine be like oh, okay yeah that's that's fine I don't I don't mind too much because it was just about someone else it wasn't like you know a piece that I had pitched um, but for this there was a lot of back and forth I learned how to accept edits gracefully and know that I don't know everything. Um, and then I would say the second really exciting piece, um, ooh, this is hard. I'm gonna go with the, uh, the letter to my niece that I wrote in 2019, I believe, that got published in Progressive Magazine. And this is because it was my first real vulnerable personal essay like it was really like here's my like little heart and like <laughs> here's like my feelings and you know growing up as a young black woman in the south and then seeing my niece go through similar things um and it got published it was inspired by a James Baldwin piece called a letter to my nephew 
Um, I love James Baldwin. I'm a huge fan. Um, and the first edition of that piece of James Baldwin's came out in the Progressive magazine. So that was just like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you actually want to publish my piece and you used to publish James Baldwin like that. That made me feel crazy. Um, and so, yeah, I was just proud of myself for putting myself out there and to being able to get it published in such a, uh, a, pub a meaningful publication. Um, and I would say the third piece was uh, probably getting published in the New York Times. That's like, I mean, <laughs> as someone who's a writer, that's like, oh, like, here it is. I it did the thing. Um, it was a it was a story in the beginning of 2021. That was about uh, the possibility of the $15 minimum federal wage. Uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> so I just kind of I spent a, a Saturday and Sunday like sort of um, reporting on the streets, I went into a couple bars and talked to people, um, servers, as well as like business owners, folks who were giving out paychecks and getting paychecks and getting their feelings about stuff. Um, and I won't lie, I had like a, a little bit of a panic attack when I, <laughs> when I shared that one, just because the platform was bigger. And I was like, oh, no, people are gonna read my thoughts. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, but I'm really glad that it's out there. And now I, I have a relationship with them. And, you know, hopefully one day I can go back and say, you know, now I've got a piece uh, for y'all. I hope you love it. Um, and publish me again. How did you even land that piece? Um, another networking thing. <laughs> it was a piece that they'd offered to a friend of mine, another local author. Um, um, and he couldn't do it. And so he mentioned my name and they reached out make writer friends, make yeah. writer friends. No, that is like so crazy that you say that. Cause so I interviewed an attorney recently and she was like network because someone will say no to that work and pass it to you. So Absolutely. it's, it translates. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like I had written about, I think I met him in like, Oh, in 2020 I'd written about, he had a book coming out and um, a local uh, it was Do Savannah, part of Savannah Morning News. They wanted a story about authors who were trying to launch books in the pandemic, right? You're supposed to be on a book tour. You're supposed to be out there shaking hands. Now what happens? And he had a book that was coming out. Uh, his name is Taylor Brown, by the way. Um, and so I, I interviewed him. And I don't even think we met in person. I just, we interviewed over the phone. I bought his book. Um, I published the piece. And we became, you know, like Instagram friends, sort of. And... Um, yeah, he's really awesome. <laughs> he's really great. It's amazing. I believe he has a book coming out right now, too. So you should check him out. <laughs> I will. I will. Okay, that's amazing. So like what? So I, I, you know, like, let's talk about it. Like, so what happens after the New York Times? Like, is it fame? Is it? Is, <laughs> is it followers? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, oh, it's not fame. I don't think like, <laughs> famous at all. Um, I, I mean, I guess my follower count has gone up a little bit, which just honestly just makes me anxious. I am mean, like really an, an introvert at heart. So anytime I see like, oh, there's like more people here that I like don't know these people in person. I just like get weirded out. I think for me, I, I would like to tackle a long-term project. Um, I don't know what that is yet. I don't know if it is a book that I want to write or a magazine that I would like to start. 
Um, but I've done a lot of, in the past like year or so, I've done a lot of editing gigs. Um, so that allows me to step into the shoes of, I'm looking at a publication from the bird's eye view. I'm looking at freelancers and hiring them and saying, you write this piece, you do this piece and like putting it together front to cover. And that was like really dope. Like I liked it a whole lot. Um, so I'm just thinking about ways that I can go from writer to either author or editor right now. Um, I've got some, you know, I'm still freelancing. I've got some stuff that'll come out um, this month and, you know, hopefully continuing <laughs> into 2022. But I think I would, I would just really like to, to do something longer and to go deeper into a subject. Um, sometimes writing articles, it feels very like a quick hit of like learning everything you can about a subject and then be like, all right, bye, I did it. Um, what do I do with all this knowledge that I just learned about like hemp farming? Like, <laughs> what do I do with this? Uh, so something that allows me to go a little bit deeper into a subject would be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, that is like, you're just, you'll probably be great at like whatever, like Trivial Pursuit games. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, especially if it has to do with like just interesting people or like um, something about like random Georgia laws that I've written a lot about that. <laughs> in the uh, past so that's hilarious but I love that right and and I just think like who would have thought right like how <laughs> how your trajectory goes <laughs> I agree I agree there's like you know I didn't think that I could freelance and hold down a uh like nine to five um uh, for this long but I've I've been doing it for a while and it feels um you know I'm not gonna lie there are times when I'm stressed out of course, um, we all put too much on our plates <laughs> sometimes, but I think I've been able to balance it um, really well so far. And I think I thought by now I would have to compromise. So, hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean, most of my guests have two gigs, right? Like they have their full-time gig and then they have their side passion gig. And I mean, we live in an economy where it's like, this, this is what it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> want to like, you know, pay the rent. <laughs> I would like food. Right. My cats. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> they eat a lot. <laughs> but I just, I just, so there's just like, as you were talking, I was just thinking about like, you know, this is, this might be a controversial question, but I'm going to ask, mm -hmm. is it harder to be a black writer? Um, I think there are, there are definitely certain challenges that come with being a black writer that don't come with being a white writer. I think that is just humanity, right? Like you could put anything in place of writer, a black person, <laughs> you know? Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be writer. Um, I think right now we're kind of in this, this feels a little icky to say, but we're kind of in this space where um, black voices are it is clear how much Black voices are needed. I'll say that. Black voices are always needed. That will never change. I think that after 2020, folks started to see how much of a gap there was. And so I think in the past two years, I've really been able to take advantage of some of those gaps. Like people, um, kind of like just what you were talking about, getting opportunities of people like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? Like those things have come up quite a lot lately where it's like, well, we would love to get a uh, person of color's um, opinion on how Trump has like affected race relations. And I'm like, well, that could be three books. <laughs> I feel like that you want a thousand words. So I'll do, you know, I'll do what I can. Um, 
But then, on the other hand, you also don't want to be pigeonholed as the Black writer. Writer. Many right? of things that I have interest in that have nothing to do with my race. Um, not that I don't pitch those things, but I think sometimes you you can just easily get pigeonholed. Um, I'm working on a piece right now that's just about van life and like people who are on the road most of the time. And that has nothing to do with race, right? It's just a fun like travel story about like, that's weird. You live in a van. How do you, how do you make that work? Uh, and I, I really enjoy being able to do pieces like that as well. Um, there's always a gap, right? Like I love writing about black people doing interesting things because I feel like we're not highlighted enough. Um, so right now I feel like that's my challenge, finding that balance of like highlighting awesome black people doing awesome things while also trying not to get pigeonholed in a, in a specific lane. Correct. Yeah. There's this amazing yep. woman on Instagram I follow called mom trotter and mm -hmm. she just, she moved, she lives in an RV with her whole family. See, I just need more space than that. I think really a whole family. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because she, like, the van life, RV life, those are real things. A lot of people that are younger are entering into that because it's actually more yeah. affordable than getting a house. But, like, she also tells it from a Black experience as a Black mother and, like, homeschooling, taking her kid across the country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she gives, like, very, like, here's how to be cheap on the road. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now gas prices being, like, insane. Um, yeah, van life, schooly life is a thing. People are buying school buses and converting them into mobile homes, which is like, I guess there's more room in a school bus, but I would think with gas, it'd be more expensive. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, at one point in time, I too was like, this was when I was like really tired of my son in the house with me. I was like, I'm getting a tiny house. I'm downsizing <laughs> when you leave. You can't come back. <laughs> I don't want to see you again. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. This is over. We've severed this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I did what I was supposed to do. You're good and grown. <laughs> be, be free. <laughs> be free. <laughs> so, so you've talked about like what like future looks like, and you know, like you want to get into a long project. So we've put that in the universe wherever <laughs> this podcast flies, and yeah. it would like to be in a part. <laughs> <laughs> We're manifesting. We're yes. manifesting. <laughs> I don't know what the what the topic is quite yet. Sometimes I dream about um, starting a magazine specifically for Black women of the South, um, writing all sorts of different things. Um, that feels really awesome. I don't know. I have a lot of ideas. I need to. I need to focus. <laughs> I know they were so like I. I like. I'm addicted to Gary V. And like he said, there was this moment where someone was like you do everything mm -hmm. you 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 won't be good at anything and he was like but how would I know if I'm good at anything if I only do one thing right you gotta try a lot of this stuff <laughs> and I was like right and he was like you just gotta put it all out there just put it all on the wall <laughs> and agree and like I said you you try different things you find out you're good at four or five of them ride both of those lanes at the same time <laughs> you know make it work because one's gonna pay off or maybe all of them pay off. Like, who knows? Like, that is just like, that's just, yeah, <laughs> just riding the wave. Um, what are like any like in inspirational words or final thoughts you want to think about? Um, I thought this really hard because I knew you were going to ask me something <laughs> like this. And I think when I'm thinking specifically of Black 
women who are writers who are like trying to really like do their thing i the biggest lesson that i've learned is to be quote unquote selfish with my passion um uh, i don't think it's selfish at all i think we need to rethink <laughs> how we use that, that word uh but it is so easy to break promises to yourself, especially if you're someone who works a nine to five and is trying to do a side hustle. It is so easy to be like, oh, I said I was gonna write today, but now I'm tired, or now my sister needs me, or, oh, I didn't quite finish that thing at work, so I'm just gonna work a little harder up until like 8 p.m. when I said I was gonna be off at six. And it's so easy to just put yourself second. Uh, I feel like we do that a lot as black women. We're taking care of a thousand people at once and we're not taking care of ourselves. And so if you have a thing that you love, be selfish about the time that you set aside for that thing. It's a business, it's, you know, your creative passion, <clears throat> whatever it is. I wake up at like, I'm like a little weird. I wake up exactly at 4.44. I don't, I don't know, I'm weird. I'm really, really strange. <laughs> it makes me feel good, I don't know. But that is my time to write before I have to like clock in to work and I, be super selfish about that time. And sometimes I'll forget and I'll start working on something that is uh, work related. And I'll be like, oh, if I could just, you know, spend a couple hours on this, then my work day will go more smoothly. Um, and that's true. But then I'm like, I'm breaking promises to myself. And I think that's, I don't know. I think it's a skill that can be applied in all areas of life. Um, to keep promises to yourself and you'll really see your life change, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> There's like two things that just happened. One, I feel attacked. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not what I meant to happen at all. But, but two, I also feel inspired because like <laughs> exactly what you described happened to me today. I was supposed to like host this thing for my side gig. <laughs> and then like I got worried and I got nervous and I was like, oh, I'll just cancel it. Like whatever. It's just whatever. I'll just send everyone an email. And I was like, why did I do that? Like that. This is my baby. Yeah. Why, why didn't I just push through? And I didn't. I was just like, I'll just go work on my work stuff. And I was like, so dumb. <laughs> it's so much easier to do that, right? To just be like, oh, well, let me do this instead. Uh, certainly did not mean to make you feel attacked. I've done it a thousand times. And it's not just for other stuff. Sometimes it's just, I feel lazy and I don't want to do it. And I would rather watch another, you know, episode of Scandal on Netflix <laughs> instead of doing the thing that I said I was going to do. Uh, but it really pays off. That consistency is, is it's good for us. <laughs> it is, it is. And I was just kidding about, I mean, the attack thing <laughs> is more so in jest. Like everyone says that now. They're like, I feel attacked. And like, oh, it's just a meme. <laughs> <laughs> just a meme. What are you talking about? <laughs> Bring it down a notch. But I do like the idea of like, so you, first of all, great guest. You've dropped some serious gems <laughs> this whole time. And I was like, well, I don't, I didn't take notes again. Um, so <laughs> Well, it's recorded. We can go back. It's, it's recorded. And then it's going to get uploaded to a podcast and I'll listen and I'll get a transcript. But mm -hmm. I do like the idea of like reimagining selfishness mm -hmm. um, in more of a positive way, because I do think selflessness is detrimental, especially yeah. as we are trying to expand and grow. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. I'm like not a psychologist or anything, but sometimes I think women can get so relational, you know? Like, I want to be a good mom, girlfriend, friend, whatever oh. that is, and it always depends on another person. 
And for me, I mean, like this is something I talk to my therapist about all the time. I'm like, how do I get better at just being a good me and like keeping promises to myself and reaching my own goals? You know, it's really great to have your mom or whoever proud of you, but it feels much better to be prouder of yourself because can't nobody take that away from you. You know, you're like, hell yeah, I did it. <laughs> oh, Aaron, you have such good one-liners. You need to like. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I feel like we now have one of those. What are those people who like do the, the coloring books and the journals on TikTok and make like $20,000 a month? And they're like, oh. <laughs> I would love to do something like that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I, 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 I know. We were talking about that earlier today. I was talking about that with some people and they were just like, yo, like, do you have to be a good drawer to do the coloring book? <laughs> or can I just be like super creative? Yeah, like what's the secret sauce to get to the 20K? <laughs> Man, if I could, if I was good at like making Instagram reels and using TikTok and stuff, I would try to figure it out. But I just, ooh, there's so many buttons. <laughs> I just can't. It's so rough. I've done it a few times and every time I'm like, oh, this was <laughs> stupid. But then, you know, it pays off sometimes. But I do think you should go back and look at these one-liners and use them because they're amazing. They're oh. great. You you dropped some knowledge today. Awesome. <laughs> That's good to know. So I'm good to know that I wasn't just like rambling. No, you were very like, this was amazing. So I just want to say thank you because I know you need to rest up as well. And you've had a long day uh, and just relax. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. I admire you. I, I wish you the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I think this is really awesome. I love talking about writing and storytelling and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to be here. And I'm sorry my throat feels a little weird today. I'm like recovering from a cold. So sorry if I was hacking up a lung while trying to answer your questions. It's fine. It doesn't matter. No one knows. Uh, but I do want you <laughs> to make sure to tell people how to get in contact with you. Absolutely. Um, so you can follow me here. I like just changed my Instagram handle. I think it's a r dot Felton. Um, <laughs> it used to be Ariel Golightly for the longest time, and then I changed. Um, but you can also check out my website. Um, it's just arielfelton.com. That's the quickest way to see um, what I've been writing lately. Um, I upload stuff as soon as I have a link to that website. Uh, and my email address is also there, too. So if you um, just want to chat, have a question, or an assignment for me. <laughs> Correct. Right. You guys need a speech written? When you said that, I was like, oh, I have to do public speaking. Maybe I'll ask her to write stuff for me. I, that is such a, like, latent skill that I didn't realize I was going to need. My mom made me be an FBLA in, like, middle school, and we were, like, giving, you know, little baby speeches. <clears throat> and I was like, this is so stupid. I hate it. And now I'm like, oh, it made me some money. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did a podcast interview, like, a couple weeks ago, and I had talking points, and they were way too long. And I was like, I'm reading from talking points. I just said it on the interview, and I was like, so can we re-record and let me get back? <laughs> So thanks, mom, for making me do that. Thing I didn't want to do. <laughs> yes, you you now have a skill set that is probably very much in demand if you really put it out there. <laughs> well, thanks. I might have to. I might have to get back to that. In the work setting, it was less fun. But as like, ooh, like a freelance speechwriter, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I mean, there's all kind of CEOs. There's all kind of candidates mm -hmm. out there on the trail who need a lot of tightening up on their talking points. <laughs> up. <laughs> So you could just be like, hey, let me help you. You're right. horrible. <laughs>
Words. <laughs> words. I got words for you. Anyways, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. And thank everyone for tuning in. All your friends and family tuned in and gave likes. And we'll have this uploaded. And then she'll get the content. And everything's great. And we're sharing our amazing network stuff. So thank you so much. I hope you feel better. And have a great night. Thank you for having me. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Broke Girls Dream 2 podcast. You can connect with us on our website at BrokeGirlsDream2.com or on our Instagram page, Broke Girls Dream 2. If you like the show, please leave us a positive comment on iTunes or the more the merrier, share with your friends. Make sure you join us for our next show and have a good one.